0: Because we got the alternative energy right? Right. free autonomy we And welcome to the Radioactive show produced at the
1: studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the community Radio
2: network. Hello and welcome to the Radioactive Show. I'm Michaela and a happy Nadoc week to all our listeners. The theme this year is For the Elders, and to mark this important time, we are honoured to bring you a conversation with Yankunjara Antakarinya and Pitinjara woman Nshibuti June Lennon. We talk about the recent international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons delegation to Canberra, pushing for the government to sign and ratify the Nuclear Weapons Ban Treaty about protesting alongside her family in a successful Aratiwanti campaign against the radioactive waste dump that the government wanted to place on Kalina, a significant women's site, and her ongoing search for justice for the deaths and illnesses that are direct result of the atomic bomb tests that her family were primary witnesses to 70 years ago. Thank you so much for joining us on the Radioactive Show for this week. What would you like listeners to know about you?
1: I guess it starts with the detonation of the atomic bomb at um, Emu Field in 1953, where I was a four-month-old baby. And, you know, through the years, our family as a whole have been against radioactive. Waste on our country. We support other Aboriginal people who also um, don't want radioactive waste dumps on their country. Um, so it's a, I guess it's a, um, just a really big passion of ours because we do treasure our countries. You know, we don't want our seventh generation being um, exposed the same way we were. Because it affects your health. You know, it's just not a really good thing to do on on country, anywhere. And the contingent that I went to... Um, Canberra with, we had the veterans with us as well and one was a veteran's daughter who died at the age of 49 from the after effect so you know it's very um, it, it affects everyone, not just Aboriginal people who were exposed but you know the workers as well and people didn't really know about it so yeah the three areas in you know australia were the montebello islands that's where doug brooks was you know he's a veteran he was exposed to um to the um bombed. And we were at Emu Fields. My my whole family, except my younger sister, who was born four years after. Um, and then there was Marilinga. So, you know, when you look at what sort of happened, it's a bit sad. Um, it's disgusting, actually, that they could do it to a, do it to people. And there was so, you know, there were so many lies about what they were doing and there was no, um, you know, even if they had told people, like my parents, even if they had told my parents about what was going to happen, I doubt whether my parents would have been able to, you know, envisage what they actually saw. On that day, in October. Because it's it's not something that would have been in their psyche, I guess.
2: I know that, yeah, you were just four months old when they tested the atomic bombs at Emu Field. But you must have grown up hearing a lot of stories about what that experience was like, for your family, can you tell us a bit more about what your early memories were of family talking about what had happened?
1: Well, yes, I I remember mum saying, you know, about um, about how they, they, you know, woke up in the morning and they could feel the um, ground rumbling. Um, Mum Dad and my four-year-old brother Bruce were standing out, looking at the um, what was going on, and they saw the the mushroom, and then they um, they saw the dust, the mist, the black mist come over everything, rolling in, you know, from from where the bomb went off. So, um, and we always, you know, were told, um, you know, had the mist settled on everything. And mum went to, um, you know, they we used to have this gum that you have on the trees. She went to, um, you know, just get some off. And the old, one um, of the, uh, Old men that was there you know slapped a hand away and said can't you see that poison that black poison on the tree you know you can't eat that so straight away it was sort of they knew it was something that was not um, good you know to eat and that it it was a you know poison covering the that effectively took away our um, supermarket you know because this was all our bush tucker grows you know is found on our country so that was just what we sort of found out and then mum said afterwards you know we were we were really sick we all had were vomiting, had diarrhea, um, and this is her and dad as well, you know, so apart from my parents having to look after us children, they were also suffering the same effects, you know, so that was, that was the story of, um, You know, and it's a shame because, you know, like family history, you know, but this is sort of, um, this story is not a good story. (laughs) Mm. I guess it just sort of, you know, it sort of makes you think of, you know, you have all these lovely dreaming stories. But this is, this is just one that, um, is a nightmare in our family anyway
2: yeah well congratulations on just turning 70 and this year does mark the 70th anniversary of that yeah nightmare experience what have you seen over all that Uh, time period of the impacts on the health of your family and the community? Um
1: the what I've um, sort of seen and we're quite privileged to um, still have our mother living at, um, she'll be 93 this year but um she was a very strong lady in her in her um, you know years after after being exposed I guess she but she actually she and my brother when they were exposed they um, had a skin rash and one of the ways that it was described in one of the books was that. She looked like she'd been rolled in fire, and I'm guessing that you know it was the same for my brother as well. Um, plus, he he sort of you know has um, anxiety issues, um, mental health run issues running our family basically, if you like, renal health. Is something that we are prone to renal failure, and um, heart also heart conditions also seem to be affecting our family. Um, But you know, anxiety in the in our young ones seems to be something rife. You know, it's rife in our families. The other issue that I notice with my son and my granddaughter is that, and my niece's children, is that they have really bad eyesight. You know, with my son and granddaughter, if they take their glasses off, they're just sort of seeing um, shapes, basically. You know, and when they went through school, you know, like especially with my son, he would always ask to sit up front, you know, because because of his eyesight. But they would always put him to the back, you know. So luckily, you know, he was pretty brainy kid, so... <laughs> yeah but it's just you know these things you don't notice at the time that that they're happening, mm. and I think you know, like um respiratory, all of that type of stuff is is in our family,
2: yeah so. yeah, and I think, as you said that with your son. When you were saying he was made to sit up the back, do you think is that a racial discrimination?
1: Well, you know, it, um, you know, like I guess it's like that thing blacks to the back. You know, Mm -hmm. you just, just. Why do they have to do that?
2: Yeah, and it's a cumulative impact, isn't it?
1: Well, if you have a class full of children, right, and you notice that somebody's squinting, surely you would think in your mind, can that child see from that distance? You know, why is he squinting? And maybe I should just try this. Maybe I should try putting him at the front and see if that makes a difference. But, you know, it was always... No sit at the back. So nobody either noticed, nobody cared enough to notice. And you know, it it's just sort of like what else can you think.
2: You're tuned to the radioactive show produced at three CR in Fitzroy on the unceded land of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty Never Ceded, broadcast across the continent thanks to the Community Radio Network. We're speaking with special guest in Shibuti, June Lennon. Know, You've travelled to Canberra over the 14th and 15th of June as part of a delegation organised by the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. Yes. Yeah. Part of that was calling on them to sign the Nuclear Weapons Ban Treaty. Yep. And also to get recognition and an apology for what happened. What has happened? Has there been any recognition that your family has experienced or, yeah, any reparations at this point?
1: Not really. Um, Josh Wilson, I'm turning. To is the MP from Western Australia actually mentioned us in Parliament and um, apologised, you know, for what we went through. So that was, you know, sitting there actually being acknowledged and, and sort of listening to his speech was, yeah... Um, very emotional. I wish that my family had been there with me, you know. Dad's not alive anymore, but, um, my mother, brother, and my sister who nursed me under the car and even my younger sister, who hadn't been born then, but has, you know, she's suffered from cancer in her life. She's suffered from a lot of issues as mental, not mental health, um, well, she has actually. Um, the anxieties and everything that come, you know, from being a part of this family, I guess, you know. Even you know, like as a family, it would have been nice to be there together. So yeah, but it was really good that that as part of my family, we were acknowledged in that way. So yes, um, but um, hopefully the um, they will think more on the on supporting the uh, Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons, anyway. And specifically with Article 6, which is the Victims' Assistance and Environmental Remediation. You know, because what I talk about is the, is the effect on health, but there is the, the effect on country as well you know, and none of um um Montebello Islands or um Emu Field have ever been um looked at for um, um, you know have being cleaned up after after what happened after the event occurred. So when you're looking at the health of the people as well. You have to consider the health of the country as well. And, yes, and like I say, it doesn't discriminate, you know. It's anyone who was there at the time would have been affected, you know, and not just themselves, but their families. So... What more can I say, you know? And I really want to see the the prohibition, the treaty, then go ahead because this really can't happen again on our soil. We have people coming from other countries who come here for safety. You know, what are we offering them? There's a whole lot of... Um, issues that since, you know, we went over to Canberra have sort of been swirling in my mind now. You know, like um, how many children were there my age? How many children my sister's age, six, and my brother, four, were they and did they survive? You know, it's it's just a whole lot of things. And why was there such secrecy and lies about the test to begin with? And the secrecy and lies are still, you know, around today. So, you know, apart from having people write about it, like Liz and who He just wrote, um, launched the book this year, I think, Secret of Emu Field. So, yes, I would like to see the truth come out. I would like to never see that happen again on our country. And I get really emotional thinking that at the age of four months, I had a, you know, that this bomb was, and, you know, on, on my family, that this bomb was detonated on our country. And how many people did we lose? Yeah, it's
2: just so devastating. And to think that it's been such a long time and as you said your family hasn't had that healing experience from having that trauma. You haven't had that opportunity to have that journey of healing that I guess begins with an apology and followed up with reparations and um, Well apparently
1: um, King Charles is um, presenting the veterans with the medal but I don't think he's going to, um, you know, there's never been an apology to the Aboriginal people um, for what happened. There probably will not be any medals, not that we really, well, you know, What's metal? (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to clean the country or or, um, fix the health of my people. It's not going to acknowledge the pain, the suffering that's been, you know, suffered by the people who were there. But I guess it's a form of acknowledgement. But yes, you know, an apology would be nice in my mother's lifetime. And like I say, she's 93 this year, you know. We were, um, you know, exposed to a horrific health-damaging event. But, you know, we never got a cold card, you know, it's just, you know that would help us with our health in the future, did we? I mean, things like that, just normal things that you think people would think about. But because they'd be busy hiding things that happened, these things are not even taken into consideration. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind a gold card to look after my health issues and for Mum to be able to access the best aged care you know, I don't think that's asking too much.
2: No, that's the least that could be done, isn't it?
1: Yeah, i prefer that to a medal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 17, my brother's 74 this year. Uh, my older sister is 76. Yeah, it would be nice in... You know, one of our lifetimes to be able to say, well, we got an apology, we got recognition, and that's kind of started, you know. Um, But, yeah, it would be nice.
2: And for them to come to you rather than you having to travel all the way to Canberra to follow this up?
1: Yes, well if they came to South Australia, you know, my mother could be there, my brother, my sister, our families, you know we could get my sister over, she's in Queensland now. So, you know, it would be really good to be acknowledged as a family Mm. that went through that horrific event. And you know, not just my family, but my um, Karina Lester was the other one that traveled with us and um, her father went blind from the um, bomb. So, you know, just all of us being recognised in our own state is is another thing as well.
2: And you and Karina also come from such a, a long line of really strong people who've been standing up for for looking after country and community and I know that you were both involved with the successful campaign that stopped the federal government's plans for a nuclear waste dump at Bila Kalina
1: That was the Irriti Wanti campaign
2: And that's coming um, up for 20 years next year for the win, so yes. yeah
1: And that was uh, you know like um, that's a really important for me anyway, because I was uh, one of the um the ladies from uh Cooper took us down to um well actually friends of the earth actually took us down we and we protested we spoke about why we didn't want to have a radioactive waste dump on Bella Kalina. We supported Kevin Buzzacott, who was one of the speakers there.
2: Um, Oh, so was this, this is when you first started the campaign with with the, was it the Indigenous Solidarity Gathering?
1: Yeah, I think I'm trying to remember what um, the actual date was. I have the um, Talking Straight Out book, which is stories from the Irlandi campaign. And there's a a photo of um, the women who went, the 16 women who, who were um, a part of that. And that was in... I know it was the... Um, inaugural trip of of the GAN to Melbourne so it would have been about November the 21st 1998 and underneath that it's just got an article uh, women united by a really hot topic (laughs) and then underneath that are the women who were all of us looking very younger younger and healthier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, we um we spoke up about that I was one of the um spokespersons along with my cousin who passed on now. Which is very sad she was younger than I. But yes. The sad thing most of the ladies in that photo now have passed on. Mm. I think, uh, you know, Mum and Auntie Emily, but there's about, about three or four more others who are still alive. Thank the Lord.
2: Yeah, well, what a but, great campaign and amazing achievement.
1: Yes, well, those ladies, you know, they drove the process. They were really strong in. In not wanting the radioactive waste dump in our country, and they came to the younger ones like us to to help them drive the campaign. You know, it was just, and we we just complied because that was none of us wanted that wanted it there and to have that mentorship and leadership from from the old ladies, you know, that that's something that I'll never forget. And I will, you know, always take that teaching on board. Because of those old ladies, you know, they, they just were the backbone of our fight against radioactive waste dump and anything else that is harmful to our country. So that's, you know, that's the teachings that they left us and it's the teachings that we must abide by.
2: Yeah, I think so many people were moved to ongoing action by hearing their stories and learning from them. It's really important legacy to keep on. Now, you are still doing that work and just returning to the recent delegation to Canberra. How did you feel it went and what are the next steps?
1: Yes, i um I had the honor of doing that, but I must always remember that it comes from the teachings, you know, of my elders, the ladies who started us back and who fought so hard. And, you know, I thank each and every one of them that aren't here now, but have allowed us to, you know, still be a part of it. There are a lot of issues that we are facing, but, you know, like, what I want to, I I guess is just that, you know, like, we are always looking and wanting the best for our kids. They are the next generation. And just, you know, thinking of the seventh generation is just one of the ways that we could make things better for our children in the future. Speak up now, you know, we have to, like the old ladies, you know, the name of the book is Talking Straight Out, you know. So I'd encourage all of us to, to keep doing that, you know, talk straight out about we have so many complex issues speak out about it, um, be strong in your approach, you know, our this is our country and we need to look after it, how we should be looking after it and how our elders taught us to look after it and it's, you know, even even um, our men, our Waddies, you know, we... We listen to what they say and take it on board, and that keeps us strong in knowing how we should be strong for the next seven generations, and to put things in place now that will support them.
2: Thanks so much to June Lennon for joining us on the program. You can find out more about the work of the international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons by going to icanw.org.au. The radioactive show was produced in the studios of 3CR with the support of Friends of the Earth Nuclear Free Collective. And to stay up to date on upcoming actions and activities, you can sign up for the nuclear-free news at melbournefoe.org.au forward slash nuclear. You can find our podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive. Tune in again next week for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues.
0: had wandered on the land Now the years have come and gone The world begins to hear Of devastation to a race That love earth so dear White man invented atomic bombs Instruction put to test the natural food and poisoned the grass the present Come